0: Let's feed, if you would, please, and find your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, chapter number two. This will give us an opportunity for those that are participating to come and find their seat in the audience. We'll read the passage of Scripture this morning, Luke chapter two. It's a very famous Christmas story. It's very uh, typical at the Wilkerson house with We, uh, before we start our Christmas festivities to stop and read this particular chapter of God's Word and would encourage you to consider doing the same. Luke chapter 2, begin in verse number 1 and go through verse 11. If you did not bring your Bible this morning, you can follow along on the screen. We do have it uh, provided there for you specifically for today. Luke chapter number 2, I'll read the odd number verses, you'll read the even numbers and we'll conclude in verse 11 together. To be taxed with Mary as a spouse wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Together on verse 11, everyone, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for the joy of being a part of this special program. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us to Christmas 2021. Thank you for the church family that uh, has invested heavily in the time and effort energy and expense of a meeting. But thank you, Lord, for sweet friends who've chosen to come and join us today. Would you please bless all participants? And I pray you'd bless the message as we hear from your Word. May this be uh, something that would edify and encourage and help and bring clarity. And I pray even conviction to our hearts on this Christmas season is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Just a quick introduction. My name is John Wilkerson. I have the joy to be the pastor of the Precious People here at First Baptist Church of Hammond. And uh, nine years ago this last Friday, I was asked to consider coming, and the Lord brought us from Long Beach, California to this wonderful church family. Uh, our church started 134 years ago in the conference room of the Morton House Hotel down, down the street here. There's no longer here. A man named Alan Hill came to Hammond, Indiana when just a few thousand people were here in this city and began to tell people about Jesus Christ. He first gathered in his home over in the Hesville area for a little bit, and then uh, in August he did that until November. In November he acquired the uh, conference room of the Morton House Hotel, And 12 people got together and signed a charter and began what we know today as the First Baptist Church of Hammond. In 134 years, we've had some good years and some hard years. If you live that long, you'll have our same story. (laughs) Some good times, some hard times. But at the same time, it's been a place where I think three things are our goals. Number one, we want to glorify Jesus Christ. The church is certainly not about me, it's not about you, it's not about a program, it's certainly not about a building. Buildings do not change lives. Sometimes what happens inside of them do when people hear about the wonderful story of Christmas. It's not about a building, it's not about an association or or affiliation. Uh, Church is about Christ. He should be exalted. He's the head of the church. Number two, it's a place where not only we exalt the Son of God, but we want to hear the Word of God. We encourage our members to bring their Bible every time they come because every time they come, we're going to look in the Bible. We may not always sing the same song. We may not always sit in the same place. But one thing we're going to do at any service is we're going to look into the Scriptures because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. God gave us the Bible, and the Bible is one book with 66 books inside of it. The first 39 were written before Jesus came. We call that the Old Testament. The next 27 were written after Jesus went back to heaven. We call that the New Testament. The theme of the Bible is how can sinners like us be reconciled to a God who's not a sinner? How is it that someone that sins like I do and like you do, one day spend eternity with God who's never sinned? He's holy. That's the theme of the Bible. And the main character of the Bible is Jesus. Jesus pronounced himself to be the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by him. Now, every road of life leads to God, but only one road leads to eternal life with him, and that's Jesus. It's certainly not the Baptist church. It's not a religious organization or ritual. It certainly could not be a pastor or a priest. Only one way that you and I can spend eternity with God is through his son, Jesus Christ. And I love the Bible because it tells us how God started everything, how God's gonna end everything, and how you you can spend eternity with God. Anyone who goes to hell without God will go to hell loved. No one goes to hell unloved. Occasionally people will say, well, God loves everybody, and that's true. One of the key verses of the Bible is in John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world. Everyone who goes into eternity without God goes to eternity uh, unsaved. That means they had not accepted that gift of eternal life. But no one goes into eternity unloved. And that is the reason for Christmas. Lots of things today, and I even heard someone say, oh, These Christians are crowding into my Christmas. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is the reason we have Christmas is because of Christ. It was started with the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to talk to you today. We just read the Christmas story. You can find it in the book of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. You can find it again here in Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2. And if you say, what is Christmas about? You can find the story early on. And Christmas has a lot of different factors. I want to talk to you about a few of them today, if I can. And certainly could not exhaust this story. If I guess I lived the rest of my life and, and preached only out of Matthew 1 and, and 2 and Luke chapter 1 and 2, I probably could have enough material to preach the rest of my life uh, on those things. I'm glad God gave us a Bible bigger than that and more things to talk about, but it's, it's inexhaustible. But here's a couple things I think that Christmas means. You talk to the average person, what does Christmas mean? They'll say, oh, it means decorations. It means family. It means food. It means football. (laughs) It means watching a basketball game. It means uh, family gatherings. But the truth of the matter is, according to the Bible, it means something far deeper, far more important. I love the songs, and I'm amazed at the talent of our, our friends and loved ones. And as I thought about every one of our Choir members and orchestra I know them all personally. I'm just amazed at the commitment level they have to to just to, to give their all, to practice and collectively tens and thousands of hours have been done for just a few times that we're gathered here together. But the truth of the matter is Christmas is not about a song. It's not necessarily about wise men or shepherds. I think one thing Christmas is is about prophecy. You know, God doesn't mind telling the future. He's already there. God knows better what's going to happen tomorrow than you and I can remember what happens five minutes ago. See, one thing we know about the God of the Bible is that He has foreknowledge, He knows what's going to happen in the future. And 500 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, God put it in print. In Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2, 500 years. He said, here's where he's going to be born. And he moved heaven and earth to get one little couple, Joseph and Mary, to that location right on time. He used a very heathen king and his decree of Caesar Augustus to get everyone taxed and to do that, to register in the Roman Empire. You needed to be in your hometown. I like what Galatians says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son. What is Christmas? It's about prophecy. But you know, it goes farther back than that. In the book of Genesis, when the first man, Adam and Eve, sinned the Garden of Eden. And when they sinned, the Bible tells us that they were confronted in the Garden of Eden. They had sinned against God. They had eaten the forbidden fruit, the one tree. They could have anything else, but they ate of that, rebelled against God's order, and God gave them a curse. And he gave a curse to the man, and he gave a curse to the woman. We still live with that curse. Different things that happen to us every day are a result of sin's penalty, the problem there. But to the serpent, the snake, Satan, he said this, it would be the seed of a woman. That would bruise your head. In the first pages of the Bible, God prophesied it wouldn't be the seed of a man, it would be the seed of a woman. It would be a virgin. In Isaiah chapter 7 and verse number 14, he said, The Lord Himself shall give you a sign that a virgin would conceive and bring forth a son, and you'll call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. In Isaiah chapter nine, and verse number six, the Bible says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. What is Christmas? Christmas is prophecy fulfilled. Hundreds and hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament were fulfilled at the first coming of Jesus Christ. Maybe you knew this, but if you don't know this, there's gonna be a second coming of Jesus Christ. He's gonna come again. And there are many prophecies in the Bible that tell us that he's gonna come again. As a Matter of fact, in the same place that he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no man come to the Father but by me. In John chapter 14, he said this, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. And he's coming again. What's Christmas? Christmas, when he came the first time, he came as a baby. Nothing more vulnerable than a baby. He, the God of heaven, became flesh and dwelt among us. The one who made everything that is, that made wood, worked with wood. The man, the one who made the wood of a manger was laid in a manger. The one who made the animals, there were more animals around his birth than probably people. Yet he became vulnerable. But when he come, and, and people said of him, and it was said in the scriptures, that when he came, he would be a lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. But when he comes again, he will be a lion. When he comes again, he won't come as a baby. He won't come as a vulnerable one. He'll come as the prince and the king of heaven. So what's Christmas? Christmas is prophecy. Christmas also poses a problem. See, why is there Christmas? The reason we have a Christmas is because we have sin. The problem is sin. Whenever Joseph heard from the angel, when, he's, when he comes, take and marry, go ahead and marry Mary, even though you cannot be intimate with her until after the baby's born. And she is going to be a virgin. It's a miraculous thing. You say, Pastor, what's the big deal about the virgin birth? The big deal about the virgin birth is that the Bible tells us when Adam, as wherefore is by one man Adam, when he sinned, so then death passed upon all men for all sinned. So all of us have something in common, every one of us. Regardless of the pigment of our skin or the color of our hair or our eyes, if we're a man or a woman, if we're old or young, all of us have the same thing in common. All of us are here because of a human father. And your dad was here because of a human father, and all of us have... Adam and his sinful nature in us. My lovely wife is here this morning. God has given us nine children, seven boys and two girls. But all of those little guys are stinkers. They all do things. I've never one time said to them, and say, here's how you lie, and tomorrow we'll work on losing your temper. <laughs> I didn't say, no, let me show you how to be lazy. Let me show you how to disobey your mom and dad. They know how to do that. You know why? Because they got me and them. And I got my dad and me, and he had his dad and him, and we have Adam and us. See, why did Jesus have to be born without a human father? Because if he had a human father, he would have been a sinner. And if he was a sinner, he couldn't pay for your sin or mine. If you put us on the cross, we couldn't pay for someone's sin, or our own, anyway. No, Christmas is about prophecy, but it's also about a problem. The problem is, all of us have a sin problem. The Bible tells it very clear in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. For all have sinned, and all come short of the glory of God. That means, if I try to go to heaven in my own ability, I fall short. I miss the mark. Because all of us have a sin nature. We sin by nature, we sin by choice. So Christmas, why did the Christmas happen? Well, it was prophesied it was going to come. But Christmas happens because of a problem. And the problem, you and I brought it into this world. It's sin. We are sinners. And sinners cannot go to heaven on their own ability. They cannot. You can't jump across the Grand Canyon in your own physical strength. If you tried to, there's a law of gravity that would bring you to your death. If you and I tried to go to heaven on our own ability, there's a the law of God. The Ten Commandments, you can't keep them. And they show us that we need someone bigger than us, more holy than us, and that is Jesus. In the New Testament, people said, what is the Ten Commandments? And and the Lord answered it in this way. It is your schoolmaster to show you that you need someone bigger than you, more holy than you. You need Jesus. Christmas is about prophecy. It's about a problem. May I say, also, it's about a penalty. Some folks say, well, we're sinners. We're all sinners. Everybody's a sinner. And that's true. But God is a just God. Is he loving? Yes. Is he holy? Yes. Is he just? Yes. When someone does something wrong in our society, we all would agree something should be done about that. When I see people break in and steal something that doesn't belong to them, I think someone should stop them that person should be punished. If someone hurts a child physically or in an immoral way, I think something ought to be done about that. That's not right. And I am a sinful human being, and so are you. But a God of heaven is the judge of all the earth, and everything is going to come through his sieve of judgment. And he says, John, because you're a sinner, there is a penalty for sin. The penalty for sin is found throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, he says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. In the New Testament, it says this, The wages of sin is death. In the New Testament, it also says, In Adam, anyone who has Adam in them, all die. The penalty for being a sinner like I am and like you are is death. Now, most of us don't like to talk about death. I have a death announcement to make today that I'll make in a few moments. We've already honored two people, Dave Schultz and Randy Erickson, who have passed on. But what death is, is twofold. In the Bible, he says it's appointed to everyone once to die. There are two deaths. So there's a one death, but there's also a second death. The first, both of them, are separations. Say, hey, Pastor, what is death? Death is separation. It's not annihilation. How many of you have known someone who has already passed on or they've died? Do you know someone like that? I do too, and know many. Well, what happens when people die? I've even been in the room when someone transitions from their body into eternity. Their body stays, but their soul and spirit separate from that body. And they're separated from us. That's what happens. Death is separation, and the first death is going to happen to all of us. I've had the joy to stand at the graveside and try to comfort and encourage numerous families in my tenure as a pastor. But one day, someone's going to stand at my family and try to comfort them, because I'm going to die. Maybe by trauma, maybe by old age, maybe by cancer, maybe a battle with heart disease, but somehow... I'm going to die, and so are you, and everyone will. You've got an appointment. You won't miss it. The second death, though, is found in the book of the Revelation, the last book of the Bible. The Bible says this, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. This is the one that you can avoid. Say, Pastor, what are you talking about? We're talking about Christmas, and you're talking about death. That's part of the reason for Christmas is because it was was foretold that Jesus would come. The problem is we're sinners. That's why we have a Christmas, because of a problem, and that's us. You and I are sin. We have Christmas because there's a penalty. The penalty of sin is death. Not only separated from your body, but separated from God eternally. And then I find that there's a payment. And by the way, hell, the the lake of fire, is that second death. I didn't quote the verse. Let me quote it to you real quickly. You can look it up later if you'd like. In Revelation chapter 20, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. God says there's a book of life. That's the book of the new birth. Has anyone ever told you they've been born again? Oh, or ask you, have you been born again? That's a very important question. Because when someone's born again, their name stays in the book of life. When someone is not born again, their name is removed from the book of life. It's very important that your name is there. It's very important that you have a second birthday. Christmas, it was prophesied, it happened because of a problem my sin, your sin. There's a penalty for sin which is to be separated from God. But Christmas is about a payment. The payment is Jesus, the innocent, God in human flesh, being separated by death. He was separated from his father so you and I wouldn't have to be. What's Christmas about? Christmas is about a problem, about a penalty, and about a payment. And the payment is is that Jesus loves you. He loves me. And on the cross when he died, and he was buried for 3 days and he rose again. He did all that was needed to be done so you and I could be saved. So we could have eternal life. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He the innocent died for us the guilty. That's a beautiful thing. There's a verse of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, and it says this. It's the Christmas story about Jesus. It says, God, the Father, made Jesus, the Son, to be sin for us. Who? He didn't know any sin himself. He was without sin. I'm full of sin. You're full of sin. Every day we think things, we say things, we do things that are wrong. But Jesus was tempted at every point, just like I was, but not. He didn't fall to those temptations. The Bible says that God the Father made Jesus the Son to be sin for me, who himself, he didn't know any sin, that I could be made the righteousness of God in Jesus. See, you have just two choices when it comes to eternal life in your evaluation of Christmas. You can go into eternity with your sin in your own righteousness and get a fair trial with a God who knows everything about you. Or you can accept the Christ of Christmas and have a free pardon at the hand of a God who loves you. God is perfectly holy. He's perfectly just. He can't just pat us on the head and say, well, come on into my kingdom. You're better than some people. No, the penalty of sin is death. So he paid the sin of death by sending himself, Jesus, God in the flesh, to be sin for us. What's Christmas about? Oh, it's prophesied. It's about a problem. It's about a penalty. It's about the payment of Jesus. But truly, Christmas, most of all, is about the person of Jesus. It's the, it's the root word of Christmas, Christ. You know, you think about Jesus, several things that come to my mind is that, first of all, the Bible says that he's God and flesh. Now, some folks choose not to believe that. They don't believe that he is God. The Bible says over and over again that he is. He says he's the creator and he became flesh. So we could be, we could live together with God. But you want to think about the person of Jesus, so many things that we could learn about him, I think number one is, that, is the fact that he's probably the most adored, analyzed, criticized, argued person ever to live. John Blanchard said only a really a few handful of people have ever really changed his history substantially, but the one who's done it most is Jesus. 30% of the world claims Jesus as their deity. And yet he lived in a very minuscule town a small town Nazareth he didn't travel more than 100 miles after his family brought him back from egypt as a child he lived over 2000 years ago we didn't write any books that we know about but the volumes of books that have been written about him are beyond comprehension To our knowledge, he didn't paint any paintings or do any artistic work, but the art about Jesus and the songs that have been written and the things that have been done are just innumerable. If he was just nobody, then why did we divide the millenniums based upon his birth? When he came to the earth, we have 4,000 years before Christ, B.C., And these last 2,000 years, A.D., in the year of our Lord, Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord, one person. If he doesn't matter and we don't need him and I don't believe him, then why did God make him so paramount? The Romans would oftentimes torture people with crucifixion. Hundreds and thousands of people were made a spectacle Whenever they committed a crime, they would make sure that everyone saw, this is what's going to happen to you. It wasn't just a one-time event. It happened a lot of times, but only one person we know specifically. Why? Why would God put a cross suspended and suspend a man between heaven and earth? And now the world would know about him. You know why? Because he's the reason for Christmas. He's Christ. He's the reason for Christmas. Christmas is prophesied. It comes because of a problem. And yes, there's a penalty, but Jesus made the payment. In this room, I do not know everyone here this morning, but I do know this. Everyone here, a hundred years from today, all that's going to matter is where you live. In heaven with God, or in hell or the lake of fire without him. That's what's going to matter. Listen, friend, I can't, I can't get you saved. You might remember I spoke about this just a minute ago because there are two deaths, a physical death that separates the body and soul and a spiritual death that separates you from God forever. That's why Jesus said you must, it's not an option to be considered, you must be born again. You must have a second birthday. What is salvation? What is the Christmas meaning? It is a time and a place in a person's life that they believe and receive the gift of eternal life. It's a miracle of a moment. See, Bible math is this. If you're only born once, you're going to have to die twice. Physically separated from your body and your loved ones and eternally separated from a God who didn't want it that way. But if you're born twice, your first birth puts you into your human family. Your second birth puts you in God's family. And the Bible says if someone is not born again, they can in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. You cannot have eternal life without being born again. Say, let me, Pastor, how could I be born again? Now, I remember when someone asked me that question. They said, John, do you know for sure when life is over you'd go to heaven? And I didn't know. I wasn't sure. Now I had heard a lot of preaching and teaching in Sunday school growing up. I had, I had been exposed to great songs and Christmas programs like you have, but I did not know for sure when life is over I'd go to heaven. And someone asked me that hard question. But then they begin to tell me how I could accept the Christ of Christmas. And that day, they explained to me three things. Number one, that I was a sinner. Sin is my problem. Number two, because of my sin, I could not go to heaven on my own. I was destined to be separated from God eternally because there was a penalty. The wages of sin is death. Then they explained to me from the Bible, like I've explained to you today, that Jesus died so I could live. Jesus was separated from his father so I wouldn't have to be separated from him. And I could accept the gift of eternal life. Can I just remind you, eternal life is not a reward for being righteous. It's a gift for understanding your guilt. If someone tells you, you've got to do this, this, and this in order to have eternal life, it's not true. No, eternal life is not a reward for keeping rules. It's not a reward for getting baptized. It's not a reward for attending church. It's not a reward for stopping cursing or stopping doing things you shouldn't do. No, no. Eternal life is a gift for the guilty. When you see in the Word of God, it says the wages in his death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You know, there's two things you need to understand about a gift. Are you listening? Number one, a gift, it has to be free. Number two, it has to be accepted. If I have a gift for you, and then I say, okay, now I'm going to give you this gift, but first you need to do the windows of my house and rake my lawn. It's no longer a gift. You could say, Pastor, that's not a gift, and you would be accurate. And God gives us eternal life. It's a gift. It's not something you reciprocate. You give to him, and then he gives to you. No. No. It's a gift. It was purchased. All that was done to have eternal life is purchased by Jesus. You can't add an iota to it. It has to be free. Number two, it has to be accepted. There has to be a time and a place when you personally accept it. It doesn't have to be at church. But it could be. Matter of fact, if you're here today and you're not sure you've accepted the gift, the best place for you to do it is at church. But you don't have to be at church. It's not done with your hands. It's done with your heart. And it's done with your mouth. And that brings me to the last reason for Christmas. Oh, it was a prophecy that was fulfilled. Christmas happened because of a problem, sin. Because of a penalty, death. Because of a payment, Jesus, the innocent, died for us the guilty. And because of a person, Jesus Christ and him alone. There's not a single second in this year that millions of people haven't been studying about Jesus or talking to him. And he's been gone for 2,000 years. It's one of the most powerful things that remind me that he's the real God and he's the real Savior. And he came to save us from our sin. But one more thing about Christmas, Christmas revolves around a prayer of faith. See, Pastor, how do people get saved? They believe in their heart, and they ask God with their mouth. In the Bible, in the book of Romans chapter 10, the Bible says this, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. That means the only righteousness God will accept is his son's. And with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. I wonder how many in this room today would say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I were to die, I'd go to heaven. I'm not sure that I've been born twice. Today, on December the 19th, would be the best day in the world for you to truly get that settled. God loves you, and you're not here by accident. You're not here by coincidence. You're here because God loves you, and he's been working in your life a long time to bring you to a place of humility. You know, to get saved, you need this. You need to be honest and admit, I'm a sinner, and I can't save myself. You need to be humble enough to say, you know, there's two reasons why people don't get saved sometimes. It's because of pride and procrastination. They have to admit they didn't have it right. And then some people say, Oh, another time. You know, when God wants you to be saved, He says, Now is the accepted time. You've been so kind to come and you've been so gracious to listen. How many of us say, Pastor, I've already done that? If we sat together, I could tell you when and where I personally have put my faith in Christ. I rejoice with you. But there may be some of you who say, Pastor, I've never done that. I'm not have a second birthday. It, it's, not a, it's not a process. You know, your birth is not a process of life. And if I ask you when you're born, you would say, well, it happened for me over a period, about seven months. No, 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 no. Birth is a moment of time. And when we get saved, when we're born again, that's a moment of time. I think someone today might say, Pastor, I'm ready right now for that moment of time. Christmas 2021, I do believe and I want to receive the gift of eternal life. I want to pray that prayer of faith.